Rebel, it's Johnny Brick. How are you? You're a Watford fan. Are you a Watford fan? Yeah, it's a very good weekend. Um, I bet ma- it's a bloody good weekend. And surely, surely it's those people who remember, you know, Mike Keane and Stuart Scullion yep. and uh, John Williams and Mike Walker. Those are the real fans. Yep, absolutely. They're what's known as legacy fans. <laughs> and one of them is my... My grandma's brother has been following Watford since 1966, took his kids, his kids now take their kids. There's four generations of them that go. I hope we get to go to Lionel Road next year. Well, I don't know how you will. (laughs) Maybe it'll be a pre-season friendly. Ye of little faith. Well, I get to tick off Brentford, Greville Waterman. It's very nice to have you here. Have you had a lovely weekend as um, playoff has been confirmed? Well... Yeah, but it's a bit of a booby prize, really. I mean, we had hopes for so much more, and Brentford and playoffs, well, it's our trip tonight, isn't it? So uh, we'll just have to see if we can go tenth time lucky. It's an incredible stat. I spoke to Rich Foster, who's on on Friday, and he said, yeah, nine playoffs, (laughs) nine defeats. But also... And I, uh, this isn't good news, but Diane Warren has been nominated for 10 Academy Song Awards and she's uh, lost each time and just last night she lost her 10th. So I don't know well, if that's a good or bad omen. Every so often, I've never met Richard Foster. We've spoken, we've sort of communed on Twitter a few times and, you know, he's, I've put, given a few things, facts and things his way. But I, I think he thinks I'm going to slip my wrists and... Um, you know, for, remember, Brentford are owned by Matthew Benham, who is a stats king. And obviously, if you if you toss a coin up uh, ten times, there is no reason why it shouldn't come down heads occasionally as well as tails. It could, you know, why shouldn't it be our turn? Why shouldn't <laughs> it be our turn? But there again, I'm trying to convince myself, because like all Brentford fans, I know exactly what's going to happen. Oblivion. Not with £130 million or whatever. The prize is so great. We so deserve to get there. But Brentford are an interesting club in that a lot of people admire us for punching above our weight. But I think there are an awful lot of people, hello Martin Samuel, if you're listening from the Daily Mail, who take a sort of schadenfreude or a huge delight in watching us fall on our arse. And if I can just go just to prove I had a classical education... We are very much like Sisyphus. Yep. Um, we just almost get that rock to the top of the hill, and then it comes crashing back down again, generally on our head, and we have to start again. And it's it's terribly frustrating. And I know, I mean, I've been watching Brentford since I was a, a, a boy, and to see where we are now is beyond my wildest comprehension and imagination, because Brentford were a really mediocre third or fourth division team in all but most of the years, all but, all but a few of the years that um, I grew up with them. And to have them now, to see where they are now, is incredible. It's an incredible achievement. And we all know the issues of the Premier League. I think there are a lot of people who actually say, we really don't want the Premier League with you know all the issues and the VAR. Yeah, and- you, you want the truth? The worst thing, the best thing that has happened to Watford this week is that £150 million means that we can pay our top talent a bit more money. The worst thing to happen is everything else. Mm-hmm. But I wish we could have it. You know, yeah. um, we just, oh, if we deserve it. Oh, I sound like a spoiled brat. We deserve it. It's not fair. 
what happened last year was horrendous. What might happen this year is frightening because the implications of, I won't use the word failure, because for Brentford to be in the top 10 of the championship is an absolutely incredible achievement, given their budget, given their lack of resource. Just, I just want to see us get over the line. You know, nine playoff campaigns. It's four Wembley and Cardiff final, or is it five? I have to, I have to think about it. Uh, 97, we were there. Uh, 2002, we were there. Uh, God, 2013, I tried to leave. I, I tried to leave at half time. Uh, then 2020. Oh my God! You know, it's it's a terrible record. And please, God, look down kind, kindly upon me and everyone else. It Let will be win. the the neutrals' choice. We love Barnsley. I've spoken to Ian McMillan on here, and I would love yeah. if Barnsley beat. Swansea or Bournemouth. As a Watford fan, we're not yeah. keen on Bournemouth, although we love Dan Gosling. Looking at the prestige of the four clubs, it's Swansea who are the most likely. They've got a wonderful manager. And Barnsley play this vertical football that's not unlike the football that you would have seen Watford play under Graham Taylor. Did our paths cross 40 years ago? Yeah, I always remember watching when, when Watford... You know, in the, in the, when they were rebuilding under Graham Taylor, and what did you have? You had Nigel C- Callaghan on one wing, John Barnes. No, no, before Barnes. No, 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 no. I mean, you had Ross Jenkins. You had Luther Blissett. Um, I think you had Bobby. You had Bobby Downs on the wing. Andy Rankin in goal. Or Steve Sherwood. And I, I remember. Um, well, funnily enough, Watford and Brentford were the. Were, there was a real rivalry, and as a kid. In, I think, 76, Brentford went up to Watford, blew your uh, promotion chances over Easter by winning 1-0 when an otherwise immobile and uh, flapper of a goalkeeper called Paul Priddy was touched by genius for 90 minutes and saved two penalties. Dennis, Dennis Bond and Alan Mays, I think. And Brentford won 1-0. And all I'm saying is I have never run so fast out of the rookery and whatever, to find my car that was strategically pointed towards London for a quick getaway. Mm -hmm. It was pretty nasty. So Watford were rivals, but then you left us way behind. Hmm? Because of Elton. Because of Elton, yeah, because of what Graham Taylor did. And I was a massive admirer of Watford. I mean, I hated you with a vengeance, but I admired what you were doing. Some of the football you played and some of your achievements in the early mid-80s were incredible. You know, why can't that be us? Well, so... it will. We're, we're sending all the good vibes. We, uh, this will go out on Wednesday, so you will have demolished Rotherham to move closer to third <laughs> no, place. I don't think, I don't, I, I'm not sure if we'll demolish Rotherham. I mean, I feel sorry for Rotherham, actually. I, I think they have had the shitty ends of the stick um, all too often, and some of the, you know, some of the decisions they have been given, have been given against them. Was this been... the second-minute penalty at the weekend? Well, that wasn't a penalty. It was it was basically GBH on the goalkeeper. Yeah. Um, I mean, Nat Lofthouse, some of you have to look at Yeah, Harry name, Gregg and Nat Lofthouse. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Some, Nat Lofthouse would have been ashamed, or Peter McParland, that's been well before my time, would have been ashamed of that challenge. And how Gavin Ward, I mean, Gavin Ward, who looks like a little gnome, um, Francis of Assisi, I think, he, he was, how he saw no evil there, I, I just do not know. It was a appalling decision. 
And a really good mate of mine is a Rotherham fan, and he was gibbering on the phone to me afterwards. I mean, the guy could not make sense. He was totally incoherent. We, he's threatening that we're going to watch the game together tomorrow somehow. I'm not quite sure how we could do that legally, but perhaps we'll find a way. Pub garden, uh, six feet away. Yeah, in the garden. Yeah. I don't know, whatever. So, um, yeah, we'll see. Yeah, and then, of course, on Saturday... Uh, Oh, yeah, we've got some other bloody teams. Yeah, know, the, the Premier League-bound club. But it, well, it'll be lovely for Watford to go to Brentford because the model of club, I think the Pozzos and Matt Benham would get along quite well. The Pozzos have been in football 35 years. Gino is a Harvard-educated businessman who knows that getting there and staying there is absolutely essential. But I think if you rank the top 30 clubs, I don't think Watford are in the top 20. I think Brentford are above Watford. I don't think they're above the F team, uh, whom we're trying not to mention. Have you been drinking? I, I, I don't see that in the slightest. Well, it's because of one man, of course. And uh, the question I want to get out of the way is now is, how much is Ivan Tony in the window? How much is that Tony in the window? Goodbye. He's gone. £28 I mean, million pound was the Ollie Watkins sale. Well, 33 by the time... Oh, he played for England as well, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think we've earned another one and a half million on top so far. I think it's a, a million pound a year if they stay up, and half a million if for every non-competitive international appearance, and a million for competitive. Um, so he's up, you know, unless they sell him, we, we will get close on the 33 million for him, and extra, quite rightly, we'll get 15% yes, that's of right. the adults. And who is, um, who's most likely to sign him? Because I don't think Burnley need a number nine. Brighton well, have got a number nine, Neil Mopay, of whom more shortly. Well, he hasn't done an awful lot. Well, who will who will sign? Who will sign? Um, Who's going to sign Tony? Ivan Tony? Watford bid for him last year and got gazumped. I don't even think we paid that much for him. Relatively. No, about ten, eleven. But he's he's scored all these goals. Brentford are a shop window club or an airport airport departure lounge club. You know that if there is a really good player, you're going to lose him. And at this point, I must say that I saw Ethan Pinnock when he was at Dulwich Hamlet, and I remembered oh, the name. Yeah, but I mean, if you if you look at, if if you actually looked at Tony, um, you see, I, I'm looking. You know, the, the sort of play, the sort of clubs that I think Tony would would do well at would be Southampton if they sold Ings, Palace. I mean, Palace and he, I think, would be a very good match. Maybe Wolves, depending if Jimenez, whatever his name is, comes back. But those those are the those are the teams that I think would would benefit from him. I don't see anyone in the top in the top ten. I mean West Ham, of course, maybe. But there are enough teams that will and and he is the real deal. He's stuck on twenty nine goals. He's he's um he's a bit knackered. He he's barely missed a minute. He season. hasn't. He's played an absurd amount of football. Yeah, and well, it's a bit like Ollie Watkins last year. Ollie Watkins played, I think, every minute of every game and never got injured. Uh, we were very lucky yeah. that because we, because we didn't have a reserve centre-forward. We literally had nothing, and it, it, it worked. And I think that Brentford, obviously, the way they're run is very much by being cool, calm and calculated. And they take gambles, and generally they come off. But unfortunately, this year... The injury bugs are a bit deep, and we have been short of cover. We've been mm-hmm. short of a couple of players short. I actually think that if we had pulled the trigger on a few on a couple of things in January, 
and I know we were gazumped on a cut on a deal or at least one, maybe more, but it might be us celebrating now and what and not and not Watford. Yeah. You and know, it's... we've we've had a lot of injuries and when you have a very small squad. I mean, our squad, our first team squad is about 22, 23 at most. And when you have had the likes of Rico Henry, Pontus Janssen, uh, Josh De Silva, uh, Christian Norgard, all injured long term, it hurts. It really, really hurts. And I think for them to have got to where they are now is a bloody great achievement considering we've been doing it with smoke and mirrors, in my view. Well, the, the lucky thing for Watford is that the last two games are Brentford and Swansea and the plan was to get up before Brentford yeah. and Swansea. And it just it makes such good reading and it, it's testament to what Watford did. I mean, we're not the only team to sack a manager mid-season, although you haven't done so for a long, long time. I don't think you've sacked a manager in five years. But yeah. uh, I should at this point point... 2015, the, 2015 we sacked a manager. Mm-hmm, I'll point the audience towards Grev Waterman... Uh, over a thousand followers. There is a blog, BFC Talk, which is a WordPress blog with fourteen hundred followers. Although you've been otherwise engaged for the last year, I've, I've written a couple of books, so that's what's been occupying my time. I can only presume that that was the case, but you have published two books of BFC Talk stuff yeah. with extra material. One is called Ahead of the Game, and the other Growing Pains. We'll talk about those more in the second half, but they are both 3.49 on Kindle and you can read a lot of it at bfctalk.wordpress.com. How is the Malmo Ultra Pontus Janssen doing this season? What's the injury? Uh, I don't know about Pontus. I'm not sure how much of Emperor's New Clothes he is. Um, I'm being unfair. You know, he is a good influence, but he hasn't got us over the line. He's, he's, he has been very susceptible to injury. He missed a lot of last season. He's missed a lot of this season. And then you have this quite ridiculous red card he got on uh, on Saturday. He leaned was, into the back of him. He was a uh, fool. It was, stupid. it was stupid. He had been warned for going in over zealously on one of their defenders uh, at a corner. And, of course, he squ- the other fellow squealed like a stuck pig which is something that I really hate. Swansea are the worst. Swansea and their bench and their, their Swansea... Have you met Bournemouth? Uh, well, Bournemouth weren't great. Bournemouth were, Bournemouth were at it as well. But Swansea are the worst. Bournemouth were the second worst in terms of conning referees. and It was ghastly. Yeah, but anyway, it's not cricket. Pontus, well, it's not, it certainly isn't cricket. Pontus got away with something that he might have been booked for and then literally from the free kick, they clear the ball up... Uh, Solanke turns him and he hacks him down, you know, the t- in the, with a late tackle on the halfway line. Yellow card. It was so stupid. Mm. And then the the second yellow was also dark. He got the wrong side. Maybe the wind the ball the wind took the ball past him. But so Pontus, I'm a bit jaundiced about because I think he talks a good game. We haven't had end results. Well, we have a, a player you might be aware of. Watford talks a good game. Um, He's had quite a quiet season. So our version of Pontus, who I'm sure will be all over the media before the Brentford game, because he's uh, on loan from News UK, because he's got a Sun column. Um, We'll talk about Andre Gray at length in the second half, but um, what do you make of Troy Deeney in general? What do Brentford make of him? 
Well, don't anyone seen him? Yeah, I mean, I have to say, the only memory, I mean, that the one all draw at uh, Vicarage Road, was it about November, December? I can't even remember when it yeah. was. Um, the game of two penalties and the two different styles of taking penalties, you know, the Dini thump. And the Ivan Tony, I don't even quite know how you describe the way Ivan Tony takes penalties, but it's quite stunning in that literally he plays cat and mouse with the goalkeeper. He never looks at the ball. He's just looking at the goalkeeper's eyes. And as soon as the goalkeeper moves, he then rolls it into the into the other corner. And so far, I mean, if I did that, I'd fall flat on my ass. I'd probably kick my other foot because I'm not looking. But he seems to be doing it infallibly every time. But Dini, I suspect, is one of your talisman. But he may be, he's more valuable to you off the pitch than on. Yep. I'm not sure. You'd have to tell me that. No, he absolutely is. And he's got a direct line to Elton, who part-funded the payment in 2010. And also, I think it's just good, because he'll be in the news a lot. He's got a book out just in time for Christmas. Yeah. Uh, his mate Anthony Joshua is fighting a boxing match this year. He's an asset. We want him on side. We know that whenever we play Arsenal, he comes out with the chat. But you'd rather have him. He's, he's like Luis Suarez. He's our bastard. And uh, yeah. unfortunately, he's probably way behind the pecking order. Because if we're playing with four... You'll see on Saturday with uh, Sema and Saar and Joao Pedro. Very dynamic front three. And behind them, we've got a very English core of three of Gosling, Cleverly, Hughes, Chalabar, yeah. uh, Dele Bacheru on the coming through uh, from Man City... Um, but for you, I think your star player is someone I'd never heard of until I looked at the highlights of the game that you won. Because the goal was scored by a player you signed from Troyes in France, who is 21. I don't know where your director of football finds these players, but can you tell me about Mbuemo? Yeah, well, before I do that, to me, the game on Saturday is a complete pain in the arse. Obviously, we were hoping and praying that it was going to be a promotion decider. Now, I suspect that you don't really need it. We don't really need it. You know, all we want to do is try and finish third, third or fourth, ideally third. We don't want a battle. We don't want a kicking match. We don't want anyone injured. It's a difficult one, actually. Um, and it's a bit of a letdown. I was really looking forward to this game. And I've got a few Watford friends, sporting friends, and we were sort of joshing each other about it. And now it's sort of a bit anticlimactic. But anyway, going back to Buemo, Brentford have been incredible at spotting overseas talent. Now, of course, post-Brexit, it's not going to be anywhere near as easy for us to do this. Mbuemo we found at, from Troyes. We brought him over as a 20-year-old. And we weren't sure if he was a winger or a striker or who he was. And he took a little time to settle. And then, because Sergi Canos got a really bad injury halfway early part of last season... There was a, a pathway for him, and he came in, and just he just settled in so quickly after that. And of course, when you're playing with the likes of Watkins and Side Ben Rama, um, you're going to get a lot more space because the opposition are concentrating on them, and they're going to create chances. And he got, I think, 16 goals last year, and he was superb until lockdown. He he caught COVID apparently. And was never the same. Whether it's down to that, whether it's just tiredness, because obviously he must have played the best part of 40, 50 games. And this season, he's got his 10, 11 assists, which is great, but he's only got six goals. And boy, has he missed some chances. Boy, 
has he missed open goals? And he's been actually a massive disappointment, which is really unfair because he's a kid. And he's lost his, you know, he's lost his two colleagues. He's also lost a couple of other French players that were around. And, you know, if you were 21, don't speak the best English in the world. You're a young kid. All you want to do is probably play, go on your PlayStation. You're stuck away from home. You haven't got your girlfriend with you. You haven't got your folks and your family and your friends. And all you can do is train, play, go home, cook a meal, you know, go on Xbox. It's a pretty soulless existence. And I suspect that's why he's been very... Average is unfair. He's been decent. Mm -hmm. But he's gone backwards this season. But there again, he's still a kid. So... Who knows? It is notable that I, I looked at the playoff lineup for the the final last year, and it was Embuemo, um, Watkins, Ben Rama. Yeah, uh, Ben Rama's gone to West Ham. Uh, it was a loan made permanent. No, has he really? God, he hasn't. Is that where he's gone? I wondered. I wondered where he got. Little no, little. I'm just. I'm now just thinking about Lingard, no. Tony, Ben Rama. Last season was the most successful in terms of both uh, ends of the pitch. Eighty scored, thirty six against. Do you think David Raya, Martin, is going to be a Premier League or, uh, well, I'm not going to jinx it, but how's he going to play on Saturday? I don't know. David Raya, there's always a mistake in him. And it's more often than not a mistake of overconfidence or just, I don't know, lack of concentration. And it's generally when the ball's at his feet, he, it's very rare that you see a, a shot go in and you think, Christ, he should have saved that. It's really, really rare. I find it hard to remember much where you think he really should have saved that. But he is very, very good with his, with the ball at his feet. Mm-hmm. And sometimes he overreaches himself, shall we say. And it was noticeable, noticeable at Bournemouth that actually he was kicking the ball long or, you know, maybe 40 yards as opposed to always, you know, playing the ball short to someone in his penalty area. It's a question about doing a risk assessment. He's, he's a really good goalkeeper. He's very sound, but he does sometimes also struggle on the odd cross. Swansea particularly targeted him, and um, their goal against... We, we went to the Vetch. Is it not the Vetch? Liberty, <laughs> the Liberty, yes. Liberty, and absolutely murdered them, but were only one up, which is the story of Brentford's life. And they got a goal where dear Jake Bidwell, XB, literally stuck his elbow into Raya at a, a bit, a bit like the Barnsley goal, not quite as bad, but a bit like that. And um, somebody scored. The, the uh, cross went straight in. So he is he is occasionally vulnerable, but he's very decent. We love him. Well, that's the important thing. Um, a lot of Watford fans call Ken Semmer the goat yeah. uh, because they're young. And Watford are really pitching at the younger fans. I think I thought this last week with all the nonsense about the Uber League. Watford are really good at targeting fans who do remember the Mike Keane 92nd in the football pyramid days. And today, where we've seen the likes of Etienne Capou, Gerard De La Feu, Roberto Pereira before he uh, got bored of us. But we have this link with Udinese, as well you yeah. know. I was shocked that you don't have any players on loan from Magellan and vice versa. Michelin. Well, we, we, we have had a couple of B-team players on loan from Michelin, um, but Brentford per se do not believe in loan players. We just, you know, there was a time when we were still in the 
third division or probably division one or whatever the hell the damn thing's called, where we would try before we buy. So we did that very successfully with the likes of, who was it, um, Harley Dean, Adam Forshaw and Jake Bidwell, where we had them all in on loan and from Southampton and Everton, I think. Mm-hmm. And we, we, we picked them up for buttons, basically, and sold two of them. We sold all of them, actually, very well. Forshaw was a uh, fortune. fortune. Yeah, Forshaw was a good player. Adam Forshaw, I feel sorry for him. He just hasn't had the career he should have done through injury and maybe a couple of bad moves. I remember he went to Wigan, which was a terrible move for him. And he was a really, really top, top, top-rated player. So basically, we used to do that. But since 2017, it's really hard to think of a loan player that we have. We just feel, why should we pay? And of course, some of the loan fees that clubs charge are ludicrous and some of the actual conditions they impose on the loaning club are equally t- are ridiculous. We just don't want to play that game. Now, that being said, if we could have... I mean, we did bring in a loan centre-half, Winston Reid, in January, which went against the grain. And, you know, he played a, a reasonable role for a month or so, but is now superfluous. But maybe there will come a time. But we prefer to develop our own from the B team. And, you know, I think it's about 22 players, I might be wrong, but something like that, that have made first-team appearances from our B team in the last six years or so, which is pretty good. Uh, yeah, and, and Watford, I think, we played people in the Cups, but Joseph Hungbo has threatened. We've got a Trinidadian international, Dan Phillips, who might well come on on, yeah. uh, on Saturday, because Watford are playing Brentford, which is why we're in the football library with Greville Waterman talking Brentford. Could you have beaten Manchester City when you beat West Brom, Southampton, Fulham, Newcastle United and almost beat Spurs? Could you have taken a Guardiola side to the distance in the League Cup final had you uh, qualified for it? Of course not. <laughs> it would have been nice to have had the chance. Um, you know, we, we played... Uh, whether, whether now... I mean, at the time, we were quite pleased with the League Cup run, the Carabao Cup run, because... It gave us a bit of prominence. It's nice to beat four uh, Premier League clubs. Um, obviously, they played weakened teams, most of them. Uh, but to beat Fulham 3-0 was, 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 was great fun. And actually, the game against Newcastle was a superb game of football. We actually outclassed them. Uh, should have won 3 or 4-0. Uh, that was a good game. Spurs were slightly disappointing. They had our measure. We gave away a, a fairly soft opening goal quite early on with a you know cross from Regalon and a header. We should have defended that better. And to be honest, we weren't really in it. But we then had a bloody VAR disallowed oh, goal yeah. from Tony that who knows if it was offside or not. It was one of these ones where By a pixel. Yeah, it was gonna be off it was gonna be disallowed. And the heads went down a bit from that, mm-hmm. and they got a very good... They caught us on the break, and Son scored an absolutely glorious goal. Yeah, I remember and that. Yeah. You actually look at that, and you think, Christ, there is such a gulf, gulf. between some of our players, good though they are, and a, a man like that, who but, is just world-class. Yeah, I think what um, Matt Benham wants to do is probably what Gino Pozzo wants to do. 15th, 16th, 17th, survive, take the money, build, maybe... 13th, 14th, and just keep building. But the problem is that everyone else is doing it. Um, well, yeah, you can do that, or you go the West Brom route, 
which is be a yo-yo club and just keep picking up the parachute payments. You know, every time you come back, you come back a tiny bit stronger and eventually you'll stick. I mean, it was like Reading. You know, Reading, yeah. did Reading just stick for two years? I can't remember. For a couple um, of years, Reading. Yeah, three yeah, or four. Maybe, maybe. But there are all these sides in Prem B, as I call it. I've actually got this table up where I've got the bottom five of the Premiership, except for Sheffield United, who will struggle next year, uh, and th- although they have very rich owners. And then, apart from Norwich, the top seven. And I think if Burnley played Swansea, or if Brighton played Reading, they'd be close games. Sometimes they'd yeah. be interesting. And I think, I think you're right. Brentford I think you're are within right. that category. Yeah. I, would have, I would have loved Brentford to have gone up last season. Well, of course I would. It's a stupid thing to say. But... Whether we had a chance in hell of holding on to Watkins and Ben Rama if we'd gone up, I don't know. I honestly don't know. I think those ships were sailing irrespective. And also, from Brentford's point of view, you look at the business model, you know, it depends on selling players high, buying low, selling high, developing, selling up, selling high. And it might well be that actually, irrespective of where we were last season, the, the model and the plan would have dictated that we did we needed to bring in, you know, particularly with COVID and the problems we've had, like everyone else, of lack of revenue or nil revenue, we needed to bring in the best part of £50 million. You see, it's what happens in a few weeks' time that worries me because, obviously, we've had no money coming in. We're struggling, like, but there again, so is everyone else, which also means that... It's probably a buyer's market now because everyone needs to sell. But at the same time also, can those people afford to pay the transfer fees that we're, we're accustomed yeah. to? So, so, you know, I can see a situation where even, maybe not even dependent on where we finish, we could be losing three or four players. Um, you know, the likes of Tony, the likes of Rico Henry. De Silva. Uh, yeah, well, you see, yes and no. Because Josh De Silva is an, is an amazing player, and he has the ability to run at pace with the ball and beat players and and score. He's just a wonderful player. I'm not saying he's he's built of glass, but you know things go wrong, things fall off. He took a long time to get Brentford fit, and Brentford are very fit after he came from Arsenal. He took the best part of a year to get into the team regularly because he just couldn't last the the, the the pace and last season he missed a few games this season he really hasn't been fit I don't think since the turn of the year if not earlier they shut him down in February he was playing half fit apparently he was seen on crutches last Tuesday yeah, the game then so we're not sure if he's actually had an operation or whether things have just deteriorated but he's not going to be fit for the playoffs, which is a terrible loss because he was a bit of an X factor for us. He can make things happen. Clubs, teams are terrified of him because he can do things that other players can't do at this level. The corollary to that might be that he's with us at the beginning of the season because he's not fit. So maybe he will play half a season for us next season. Who knows? Who knows? No, it's all dependent on several things. And yes... Uh, I hope Brentford wins 6-4 and that Ivan Tony scores all six and then Scott Duxbury goes in and meets Matt Benham and Scott says, hey, we've just got £130 million. What are you selling for? Benham will probably say £50 million or something absurd. 
Um, and then there's the playoffs. Uh, Brentford, Swansea, Barnsley, Bournemouth are the four teams. Well, Brentford have to be the favourites because last year you did so well. Uh, I like this stat, which I got from you from BFC Talk. Uh, going to Loftus Road in 2018-2019, that same fixture the next season, do you remember what you wrote? How many players started both games? Oh, God. Um, very few. Was it two, two, two. So that's an incredible yeah, yeah. churn. Yeah, we, we churned. That's right. And um, 18-19, I think... I think was that we lost three two when we were terrible. Nineteen twenty, we beat them three one and we're all over them. And then of course they beat us this season, which was horrendous. Um, but no, we, the, the player churn is 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 ridiculous. But we always seem to sort of get up off the canvas, find new maestros, and start again. But that's going to become increasingly hard. And the interesting thing is that our B team used to be full of. Very, in, very interesting and promising young Scandinavians and foreign players. Now we have an awful lot of indigenous, homegrown players uh, because that's where we have to start recruiting from because we're not going to find, you know, um, I think we, we worked out that Mope and Ben Rama would not have passed the test to be signed. They wouldn't have got enough points. So, you know, these undiscovered gems we will not be able to bring in as easily as we have in the past so it's a real problem so basically if Ivan Tony goes let's say we sell Ivan Tony for 30 million who knows Peterborough I'm sure will I think we paid about five or six for him who knows what what it was but Peterborough will be up for probably 20 percent of that so of of the profit so you know let's say we've got 20,000 net on that deal who knows I don't know where we're going to go to replace him. And given what's been going on, I'm not sure if we will be paying big money for players anymore. So next season could be a little bit of retrenchment, pulling the belt in, making sure that we don't put ourselves into into serious trouble because we are totally beholden on the benefactor and the you know the good the, the good works of Matthew Benham, yeah. who put in an awful lot of money. We've got a wonderful spanking new stadium that pretty much nobody's been to yet. Uh, it's frustrating. I mean, I haven't been to a football match since last March. And in, to a degree, of course I want us to go up this season. But part of me says, I want to be there when we go up, if we go up. So it, it's, 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 it's a weird situation. I don't know. It's, it's very strange. It's oh, very strange. 